Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, what up, what up, what's going on? It's Frequency, producer extraordinaire. You're checking out the mix with my man Six Sense and Mick Boogie. Go for it. Yeah. It's your boy Six Sense. Let's go. Yeah, you know what it is. From the moment you come over the bridge, and I'ma show you some shit. Eight million roaming the strip, and I hope you ain't alone in the crib. Yeah, you better believe that. It's where you can tease where the cheddar and cheese at. All right, everybody. It is New York HR. My goodness, we are in quarantine days. Um, we just heard an announcement. I think it was uh, the governor dropped it late last night. We are in uh, shelter in place for another 30 days. I'm ready to pull my hair out because it's long. Um, but anyway, we are talking with uh, Ciara Lacani. Uh, she is the chief people officer over at Dash Lane. And we are, you know, uh, Ciara and I have talked a, a couple of different times over email. And when we were deciding on what to talk about on the show today, we really thought about the difficulty and complexity that we're going to start seeing with employee privacy, especially in times of of COVID. And, you know, we've gone from, you know, do we close the office to are we working from home now? And now we're in the phase, which, again, is, I think, really good news other than this, you know, 30-day extension of our, our situation here in New York. We're talking about return to work, and that brings so much complexity, so many HR issues. Um, so I'm excited to talk to her today. Ciara, how, how are you doing? How are things going? Tell us a little bit about you and who you are, and, uh, and then we'll dive right into it. Thanks, Anthony. Hi, everyone. I'm Ciara Lacani. How am I doing? I'm going to steal something I heard on another uh, you know, benchmarking sharing session like this, which is I'm COVID good. So, yeah, obviously, I'd rather be living regular life, not only from a personal perspective, but I think for those of us doing people or HR work, there's just so much decision fatigue, so many new decisions to make, so hard to make perfect decisions or ones that everyone's going to like. So it's definitely tiring, but it's also important work. And I think we're going to look back on this and have a lot of learning and, and good memories. So, yeah, mix of stuff. So I, I love your background, by the way. So tell a little bit, you know, let's before we dive into our topic, I'd love to hear a little bit about your HR journey because I always find those interesting. So tell me a little bit, you know, you've worked for some really cool companies here in New York, of course, now with Dashlane. Tell me, tell us a little bit about you and how you've made this journey to uh, to be chief people officer at Dashlane. Definitely. So um, my parents are from New York. My father grew up in the Bronx. I grew up about an hour north of the city. Wanted to be a lawyer when I was growing up. So uh, I pivoted out of doing that when I heard that you needed to sit locked to your desk for 16 hours a day for about a decade. Um, I studied psychology, which was also an interest of mine. And then I wound up in a Society for Human Resource Management Club before finishing undergrad. So that's how I started in HR Um, And I've been at big companies and small companies, but this is my third startup um, and second time leading the function while it scales. I love it. By the way, and and shout out to uh, Maya. Maya loves when I say this. So I'm a middle-class kid from Brooklyn. So shout out to the Bronx. Obviously, I'm I'm focused, um, but I love the fact that you, you 
you want you didn't want to sit in a in a in a chair for six hours, but yet you're in human resource. I mean, sixteen hours, yet you're in human resources. So you're <laughs> you, you didn't avoid that all that much because our no, jobs are incredibly not uh, in these quarantine times. All right, exactly. Well, I love it. Well, shout out to to the Bronx and uh, excited. We got two uh, original New Yorkers, which is very rare, by the way, these days in in New York to find someone born and raised. So uh, nice to nice to have you on board here. So. You know, listen, I I said at the start of the show, you know, the good news is that we are moving into this return to work phase, right? Great news, because we were talking about, you know, do we go and work from home? Then we said, all right, we're going to work from home. How does that work now for companies that, you know, didn't have a a high amount of employees that were working from home? And now we're like, all right, return to work. And, And you've been on groups with me. Uh, you know, in Slack and other in emails, and you see the complexities and, and you, you folks even open source, thank you, by the way, some of the ideas of how you're returning, you know, to work and how you're thinking about it. And even that document, I think it was like 30 pages. So there's a lot of complexity around this stuff. How do we really think and how are you thinking at Dashlane and how are you thinking as the chief people uh, officer there? How do you maintain employee privacy? Um, when you need to know, you know, companies may need to know when someone's sick with COVID, right? Like a lot of complexities around that. How are you folks, how are you thinking about it? How is, how is Dashlane thinking about that? Yeah, it's a really good question. And of course it changes day by day. So anyone listening to this podcast, you know, if it's outdated, definitely go check your local government (laughs) website. But I think we start with whatever, what are our principles? What's most important to us? So definitely keeping people safe and healthy is absolutely the most important thing. And that's something everybody agrees on. Then you get into where it gets more nuanced. So these are extreme times. Yes. Extreme times call for extreme measures. Yes, I agree. But we need to, I think, really be on guard against compromising people's privacy at work when there's another way. So you can see that, you know, in the U.S., um, for most of the guests, uh, the HIPAA rules have been relaxed to reassure employers that, okay, you know, you're not going to have as much of a liability for violating employee privacy rules. Don't worry. The EEOC has come out and said, yes, you can take people's temperature. And all of these are important facts to know. And obviously compliance is also important to us. We want to be a good uh, corporate citizen um, and also keeping people safe and healthy. But I think what we really need to avoid is jumping to conclusions that are going to erode employee privacy faster than we need to, to get the same safe outcome. Um, so that's what we're really trying to focus on. It's a very multifaceted topic, so I'm not going to chat for 30 pages worth on it. But <laughs> no, I, I love it. I mean, when you talk about jumping to conclusions, what, do you, what are you referring to when you think about that, right? Because like you said, the HIPAA rules have been relaxed, EEOC taking temperature. I mean, I don't think when you were in your SHRM club in college, you were thinking about carrying a, you know, a thermostat around and, you know, swabbing people's foreheads for temperatures and things of that nature. So when you say jumping to conclusions, what do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, And I think what we've heard, for example, my team joined a, a people or HR meetup where somebody said, you know, if, someone's sick, we're going to do X, Y, Z, and very adamantly said, I would stand up in front of any judge, right, and, and defending that we need to just think about health and safety first. But what I think happens sometimes is if you didn't think about how you would communicate when something happens in advance, 
And no matter how careful you are, you can't cover everything because something unexpected that there's no precedent for is going to happen and keeps happening in these type of times. Then you hear someone sick and you might just start, okay, we need to tell everybody that they're around. Okay, I need to tell all the leaders. Um, okay, I need to tell my whole team. And I think you need to try to slow down a bit and obviously you need to move expediently for people's um, safety. But think about, okay, what is the urgency of this situation? Who really needs to know right now? How do we consider what to do with this information? So I love that. And, and so obviously you're thinking, you know, I took the easy way out, by the way. Um, and I said, you know, I worked with our, our CEO here at Suzy and said, it's too complex. We're going to work from home for the rest of the year. Um, you folks are taking a different point of view and, and you're taking a different point of view of saying, you know, we're, we're probably going to return to work in phases. So that's interesting. You know, when you're that I'm thinking of that as just one of the complexities. So I'm sitting in an office space, and of course, I'm sure Dashlane and you have thought um, really carefully about how to construct the office space and all this sort of thing. Again, you're, the document that you you folks open sourced, really great resource, by the way, folks, and, and we'll, we'll share it out with everyone. Um, it's like someone sneezes in the office, that's now an HR issue. Right. So how, how are you thinking, like, how are you handling, like, how are you planning to handle employee privacy, I guess, in general? And then specifically when it comes to these type of situations where maybe, you know, you're not going to stand in front of a judge. Right. Um, how are you thinking about that? Yeah. So right now in New York and we're also uh, have offices in Paris and in Lisbon, uh, we're waiting for the governor to give more information. So the latest that we saw is in May 4th. He spoke about what offices need to do and all of the things that are like in the open source document about the social distancing protocols in the offices and wearing masks and the sanitation standards. But he also said, um, enact a continuous health screening process for individuals to enter the workplace. So that's where there's a lot of discussion between companies on how do we do that? Because we can do it different ways as of now in New York, they're not telling us how we must do it. And the last one that we're really waiting for to answer your question around some of the key privacy issues is it says that we should continue tracing, tracking, and reporting cases. But we've been asking around to see, okay, do we know how that's supposed to be done? How are people doing it? So I think this is an area that's still going to very much evolve, and we're waiting for further word. Um, and for us, we're still in phase one of our office opening plan, which is try to get the office ready for opening. Um, so that means that probably sometime soon, select members of our office experience team will safely uh, enter the office. Um, but we're not in the place yet where we think we can let in uh, to our one floor that's not under construction in New York right now, up to 12 people. Um, but once we're in that phase, then hopefully we'll have something from the governor on if someone is sick, what do we need to do beyond closing the office? And do we need to tell everybody else um, or not, because in cases where sometimes employees don't care about their privacy. So we had people in our Paris office, for example, who did have symptoms and we let it up to them, whether they informed people after we made sure that we asked about who were you around and when, and then we realized everybody was already home and already monitoring themselves, um, but they chose right. to tell everybody on their own. So we want to maintain choice for people wherever we can, because keeping your privacy should be a choice as well. And I, and I love that. I think it's, you know, it, you're, you're protecting privacy. You're giving the option to the employee, which again, I think, 
in some cases becomes a lot easier for the HR team, but also I, I can imagine a world where you're sitting at your desk, someone sneezes, and the next thing you know, you're getting a slack in HR. You know, like, did you see if, if uh, you know, Anthony, did you notice Anthony sneezed? Is he COVID? You know, like, I could see this becoming super complex for a lot of companies. And so that balance, like, as you're thinking about your phase one and your employee experience folks going into the office, is there are there ways you're thinking of privacy in that manner, like in that phase one, or is that more of a phase two, phase three kind of thing? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, first, you're really reminding me, and I'm sure you've had this experience, as we interview people over the years to join our teams in junior roles, sometimes you ask people, you know, what's your favorite thing about HR? What's your least favorite? When I started, everybody's least favorite thing was like filing. And then as uh, companies became more electronic, it was data entry. But now it's going to be, yeah, that slack when someone sneezes. And just because they sneezed, we have to do all this work. And it's really confusing. <laughs> and it sucks. So, yes, that's going to happen, unfortunately. It, it will definitely come. It's, um, you know, and it's also, listen, for us, it's unprecedented. Like, we don't, we have the balance of, uh, you know, we're forced to balance these things out. For us, it's unprecedented. We've never been in a scenario like this. I mean, I talk a lot about, you know, I've been I've been in New York my entire career. I like to say I got my MBA and startup here in New York um, a, a lot, and and so I've been through major uh, major catastrophes and, and economic challenges, recessions, etc. But this is like completely different. Like this is insane. Yeah thinking about, you know, what's falling on, on the HR folks. So are there like, and I know you, you talked about like caring as a principle, are there like, do you have more principles when you're thinking about privacy? Like how can, well, let me ask you a different question. Like, have you seen any companies? And of course we never call out names here, but we do call bullshit. Any companies that you hear about that are doing things not sort of in the line of how you're thinking about it and, and maybe ways we can think differently about it. Are there any companies that are just, you know, violating privacy or thinking about this in the wrong way that you're, that you've seen or heard about? Yeah, no, I, I'm not sure if there are any companies violating privacy. And usually my personal approach, when I see something that pisses me off, but I don't think I'm in a good position to personally be able to make it better. I try not to find out more. So there's a lot of news I don't read. Sometimes I'm like, okay, the thing that I'm going to do reasonably with my time is go vote on the state. And the rest of the time, I'm going to try to not be pissed off by not thinking about this. <laughs> Uh, but we have seen some companies not necessarily violating, but, you know, as I alluded to before, uh, just very quickly spreading a lot of information to everyone because they feel that that is needed to get things done. And that's the same way that governments have traditionally been in times of war after 9-11 here in the U.S. saying like, okay, well, we just needed to do whatever we needed to do because this is an extreme time and you just have to accept it. And I think that's what we really need to be on guard against. So, so I love it. By the way, you know, if you, I, I love the foreign policy of, of not thinking about things that you can affect and, and change. I, I wouldn't have a podcast if I thought like that, to be honest, because I see so much BS in HR and recruiting. It's like I needed to do this kind of thing. But I, I love that because it, it seems so healthy and, and, and so such a better way to think about things because I, I just constantly look at the world and feel like, oh, this is, you know, this is not right. This could be better. I mean, we literally just had Latoya Lynn on the podcast uh, a week or so ago talking about how to 
you know, a lot of companies, and I like to call it the Thanos snap of business, like have completely disappeared and are laying off people. And we talked about how to care and, and bring empathy to these situations. And then Uber announces 3,000 layoffs on a Zoom. And I'm like, you know, like why? No, <laughs> that was the wrong way to do it. Um, and so, you know, for me, it's hard to do that. Um, but I appreciate your, your position there. Um, so the framework that you're thinking about privacy, right? You talked about it a little before. I don't know if you can double click on that as, as, you're, as you're the chief people officer, you're thinking about employee privacy, you're thinking about phase one and phase two, and of course, phase three of this. What are the guiding principles? Is it something that you're defining as the chief people officer? Is it at the CEO level? Like how, what are they if you have them, uh, if you can talk to them, or at least even if they're not solidified in a document, but like how you're thinking about privacy at Dashlane as it pertains to bringing people back? Like, what are your guiding principles? Yeah, it's a good question. And you just gave me an idea for something new to write. And I've been writing a lot of things during quarantine. So indeed, we don't have them in writing. Um, so because of the nature of what Dashlane does, which is fixing the UX of the internet by filling out your passwords, payment information, other stuff online, um, and we have a zero knowledge architecture, like privacy is like key to our business model as well. So it's obviously something we're discussing all the time on any type of topic. So yeah, I don't know if we have consensus on the words around our principles. So that's a good idea. But basically it's just like privacy comes first. If you can get the same outcome without divulging information, yes, it takes you extra effort. We know that. That's why it's taking us so long to like build our software where we could do the same things without privacy. Much, 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 much easier. We get that. Um, but constantly rebuilding to maintain privacy as things change. And it's just applying that same principle to people. So if there's a way to do it, that's harder, but it's going to be just as effective. You put in the effort to respect people's privacy. And I, and I, and I love that. I think it's a, it's a, it's a great principle because again, it aligns and, and by the way, great solution dash lane um, in terms of keeping, you know, passwords and, and storing payment data really, you know, uh, super important as things get exposed on the internet. So uh, it's, it's a great solution, by the way. I, I, I love it. Um, for that, the guiding principle of taking that privacy stance at that level and bringing it to this is, is super important. Um, have you thought about sort of what that means in, you know, on the ground, as you think about your phase one, maybe can you, can you talk about what you know, high level, what phase one looks like for, for Dashlane, and then in maybe talk about, you know, the privacy side of how you're thinking about privacy in, in, the, in the phase one approach. Definitely. So phase one high level is where only, you know, office experience team members, possibly an IT person to check everything's working, will be in the office. And then when we get to phase two, is where we kind of have those, you know, up to 12 people in the New York office, for example, who can sign up and come in. And that's where this becomes important into your earlier question about if someone sneezes, what are we going to do? Um, we're going to ask them about their health self assessment for that morning, right? And see if they go home. Um, but the way that the guidelines are, everybody should be distanced while they are in the office anyway. Um, so unless somebody happened to be breaking those rules and, you know, coughs or sneezes in the air near someone else, hopefully everybody um, will be fine. But it, it really does underline why we're asking people to stay home. And the only reason that we're taking a different approach from you and uh, endeavoring to open the office sometime this summer uh, for up to 12 people 
is because we do have demand from people who are really in environments where for various reasons, um, personal, family-related, ergonomic reasons, they uh, feel they are better able to work in an office, even if it's a very mass uh, need to wait two minutes before entering the bathroom if another person was in their um, type of environment. Yeah, I, I actually, it's, it's interesting, right? Because it's, um, I, like I said, I think you're taking the, the, the harder route and, and that's a plus by the way, for you, like you're, I took, I copped out and I said, all right, too complex. <laughs> We're working from home. Let's, let's leave it there. But you're absolutely right. I think one of the things that was very surprising to me, and this is, you know, we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. And so we always try to talk about empathy, right? EQ as part of, you know, leadership and, and human resources and just in general across, across companies. And we study it and we, we follow it and we look at, you know, we take all these, this training and all these books that we read. And the one thing I never realized is that, you know, my home setup is fine. I'm okay. And so the assumption was everyone was okay. And it's not the case. Like you said, there are like amazingly very personal situations um, that have been exasperated because of, you know, people, multiple people working from home. Um, you know, um, we had, you know, and again, we talk, we're talking about privacy, so I don't want to elaborate, but we have situations that I just didn't realize existed. And because people are working from home, it's, it's, it's not an ideal scenario. And that's outside of, you know, like these are super deep personal issues, not, ergonomics or desks and things of that nature. So, so yeah, I get why you, you folks are thinking about going through this and I applaud you. It's, it's, it's terribly complex. Um, so how you know, one of the things, and again, if, you know, as you're thinking through phase one, cause I think it's helpful for our, our listeners who are HR folks and recruiting folks, what, you know, when you think about this phase one, these 12 people, they're socially distant, like common areas, things of that nature. Can you talk a little bit about how, you know, and again, I know this is in the open source document that you've shared. How are you thinking of, you know, common bathrooms and, and things of that nature? Because I imagine that, you know, again, we're talking about privacy specifically. How, how are you thinking about those things? Yeah, so once there are actually that many people in the office, it's, it's probably mostly like phase three. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's confusing. Um, we're just asking, right, that nobody enters the restroom because our restrooms there are not large enough until somebody else has exited it for more than two minutes in case there's still, you know, airborne pathogen. And we, you know, there's not a lot of research that we're aware of um, on how long that would stay in the air. And hopefully, like, as the situation progresses, hopefully society is about to become a lot more knowledgeable about how you catch viruses. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of people frantically working on research now. Um, but we tried to speak with some experts um, and heard that, okay, there have been some studies where, you know, large enough particles might remain airborne for up to about a minute. So let's double that to two minutes to reinforce to everyone that they should be conservative. Um, but our CEO is telling people every week, like the most conservative thing to do is stay home. That's still what we want you to do with what we know um, at this point about COVID-19. Um, and as you said, there are some people though where they have a different choice, but we also have in our framework, like you may have health conditions that may make the risk associated with contracting COVID-19 more serious for you personally. And we encourage everyone to think about that 
and consult with a medical professional and absolutely not sign up early to come to the office um, if that's the case for them. So you've been explicit in, in terms of your communication to employees. So, you know, one of the things I fear is that, you know, as companies open up, there may be a sense of, you know, FaceTime equals, you know, performance, FaceTime equals uh, promotion. And this is more on the employee side than it is on the leadership side, although, there, you know, there's plenty of arguments that a lot of companies felt like FaceTime um, actually correlated to those things. But from the employee's perspective, um, you're making it very clear that this is their option. That they're not required to come in, right? Yeah, they're encouraged not to, but you raise a really good point. And when we were going into the crisis, when everybody was deciding, when do we shut our office? Do we tell people that they can work from home? Do we escalate to encouraging them to work from home? Do we escalate to mandating them? Um, I personally was in the camp of being, you know, somewhat in denial of what was happening Hmm. to society. So I kept going into the office. And my CNO and I had this discussion because he said at some point, we have reached the point where I feel we need to set a good example and not be in the office. Uh, We need to set the example that people should be cautious for themselves and others and just not be around in society, possibly spreading the virus. Um, And we did on, on May 11th, I think it was, move to mandatory closure of the offices. But as you were saying before about empathy and the situations you learned about that you didn't know before where people have very real struggles um, in being at home, um, we're trying to find a way to accommodate both of those things. But yeah, we do not want executives to go back to the office. We do not want anyone to think right now that they're expected into the office until some point in the future that we can't even estimate right now where we know more about safety around COVID-19. So as we, we circle back around to the privacy topic and of course all of this sort of centers with privacy at the at the middle are you thinking about and I, I don't think we, we we talked about testing right testing employees one of the things that I saw I think even in your your document was the or a document that's out there about testing employees are you thinking about that piece like how how do, how are you think and again if you're not or you're it's in progress totally fine but are you thinking about how that gets operationalized right does hr walk around with testing kits or you're leaving it up to the employee to get tested and provide that information how are you thinking about that and and how it applies to your 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 thoughts around privacy it's a really good question so this one we're absolutely watching but right now from what we're aware of in new york it's too early to know about the availability and reliability of testing where we think it makes sense for our workforce. If I had a workforce of people who are providing medical assistance to humans and they're you know, closer than six feet from each other, then absolutely we would probably be more on the forefront of this, but we don't see a need to be right now. Again, I think everything's gonna continue to change. Um, an early adopter of that because we're also concerned about, okay, well, what if this provides a false sense of security? We still want everyone to remain distanced until more is known from a medical perspective. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And, I, and, you know, we'll, we'll do maybe uh, version two of this and version three of this in later shows because, like you said, it's, it's an ever-evolving situation um, and things are coming out and new things. And, and hopefully, 
you know, we see a vaccine on the forefront, uh, at least in, in the near future. Although, again, when you hear those things, it's like a year. Some people say six months. We're really close. So so I get it. It's always a moving target. Are you are you thinking about in phase one PP, you know, per, um, uh, protection equipment? Are you thinking about providing those to to employees and will they have a really cool dash lane logo on them? We're working like in all three of our countries um, on that. And I, I think France and uh, Lisbon have secured cool Dashlane logos. I am not up to date. I might learn later today on whether we've secured those for the New York office yet. Um, but I think it's just uh, we're securing as we can. But right now we're asking people who have signed up um, if they have their own. But hopefully we're going to be able to provide at least some of that to 12 people, but it's going to be a really big challenge for office experience teams everywhere. Um, this is not something you buy once, right? The recommendations are going to continue to shift. Sourcing these materials is challenging in, in cities around the world. Um, and like masks are going to hopefully eventually become um, available for non-medical staff of masks that are, might be more effective, right? So it's just, it's an ongoing thing that we're going to have to continue to spend time on every single week. Sure. Just, well, the good news is it's keeping us busy, right? Um, and, you know, the, the, the forefront of the need of, of people and, and people operations and human resources has never been greater. So this kind of accelerated, I, I think we're, you know, like I said, I've been in HR for 20 plus years. Um, the evolution of HR as a pivotal role in an organization uh, has evolved. And I think this has escalated it to a point that it hasn't ever been like we are critical factors in making sure we're getting our companies through this. So um, it's ever evolving. My, my point, um, just like the role is ever evolving. Um, so turning it back, just, you know, before we, we end the show here, um, any thoughts, any final thoughts around, so I am, you know, a company, I'm a little behind Dashlane in terms of what I'm thinking about. I'm concerned about privacy, any sort of, you know, I like to talk like three bullets. I always like to say there are three paths or, or three things to think about. Um, I won't pressure you, uh, pressure you on three, but any last thoughts on how companies need to be thinking about privacy from your perspective? I think the most important thing to start with is just pause before you act. Pause, even if it's for 60 seconds, to speak with somebody else, whether it be your CEO, a peer in people's space, even if at another company, and think about what's a way to do what I need to do right now to help people that also maintains privacy. Um, and it's just like in those really critical moments where we pause and then we make the best decision that we can. And we, as you said earlier, uh, none of us are perfect. And especially in these times, we're not going to be perfect. But if we try and in this profession, we're good at upholding, you know, different and sometimes in conflict priorities, right? Supporting what the business needs to be successful, supporting what employees want. Um, and privacy is just another one of those issues. So I think if we apply everything we've learned, we pause, we think, we get help from each other, then uh, we can uh, hopefully do a good enough job. I love it. I'm going to leave it at that. I think that's brilliant advice, not only for this situation, but for life in general, for human resource professionals. So uh, you talked about writing. Or is there a place where folks can uh, can see your brain dumps like you just did for us for the last 30 minutes? Is there a place where they can check out some of your thoughts and uh, do you have a blog or is it LinkedIn? Is there any place that they can check you out or even on Twitter? 
Uh, most of my writing is on LinkedIn, um, and actually most of it is internal to Dashlane on our Slack, but we are hiring. Um, so, uh, yeah, and trying to open source things through Lars Schmidt and others who have been really great with the HR open source community. Um, so, and feel free to reach out to me directly. Well, great. Well, Ciara, thank you so much. It's been incredible to talk to you today. I, I really loved your, your position, and I love the, the last piece, pause before you act. I think that's great advice. Thank you so much for being on the show, and good luck Thanks, with Andrew. everything. You too. Take care.